We should like go and like hang out with Todd. <laughs> Whoa, it's Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Todd's even cooler than we thought. <laughs> Boys, I'm looking for a fella who goes by the name of Todd. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's cool. <laughs> Todd would make like a good manager or something. <laughs> Todd roll. Welcome to another episode of the 206 Geek Podcast with your host Todd, the 206 Geek. Yes, I am your host Todd, the 206 Geek, and this is episode 73. Gosh, guys, it's been uh, it's been a busy week, man. Uh, we have a few things to talk about. We have some some new photos that have been posted in the last few days from Mr. Alex Winter, also known as Ted Theodore Logan. Excellent. Um, and then we also have um, everything coming to Amazon Prime in March. We'll talk about that. And it looks like we're going to get a revival of Reno 911, um, and it will be... On a new streaming service, I believe. Um, where is it? It's on Quibi, Q U I B I, and uh, also happening or coming soon. Um, I'll be talking about uh, Indiana Jones Five starting production, and then we have. Uh, I guess there's some. Rumors, at least if there might be rumors. It's on bleedingcool.com, so I don't know how 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 uh, how truthful the stories on there are. But uh, Marvel to restore deleted scenes for, to Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Okay, I guess that's going to be in comic books, so that will be cool. Um, and then I'm going to be talking about, uh, there's some photos of like before and after they added the visual effects for Carly Quinn and the Birds of Prey. And then we have uh, some set photos from the Batman. I'll talk about that and I'll talk about... If they have actual photos here, if I'll be able to tell you what they are. Uh, doesn't look like they're too exciting. Um, but we'll talk about that. And then we have Mark Hamill pokes fun at Trump by requesting a pardon for the Star Wars Holiday Special. I'll read that article. And then the last thing I have here was a story on uh, Bleeding Cool again. The Walking Dead star... Denai Guerrera signs two-year overall deal with ABC Studios. So I'll talk about that. And um, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't usually click on on stories from Bleeding Cool because there are just ungodly amounts of advertisements. Um, I mean, one or two seems to be okay. I don't know. I've, I've I 
I can, I'm sitting here complaining, but at the same time, I also put advertisements on my podcast, so I really shouldn't be complaining too much, right? Um, <laughs> anyways, let's get into this. Uh, <laughs> so Alex Winter breaks down the lost Bill and Ted dance sequence 30 years later. So yeah, he posted some photos a couple days ago on on his Twitter account. If you don't follow him, um, go follow him at Winter. Is his uh, he's on Twitter as capital W I N T E R. Uh, well, the first letter is capitalized; the rest of it's lowercase. So yeah, just follow him because if nothing else, if you, if you like Bill and Ted's, you're gonna like what he posts because he's he's been posting a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, things that are little teases about the the Bill and Ted three that's coming out this summer. I think it's this summer. It's either this summer or this fall. So, but I'm going to read this story here and tell you what what it says. It says the opening of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure featured a futuristic George Carlin narr- narrating how he had to go back to 1988. To help out two high school headbangers, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, you know, and I and I said earlier that it was uh, no, I didn't say Bill S. Esquire, Bill S. Preston Esquire. For a second there, yep. When I was younger, I was when talking about the movie, I always got the two actors backwards as far as the characters they played. Even though I watched the movies many times, and you, you would think I would know. Uh, the Bill S. Preston Esquire was was Alex Winter, but sometimes I would think it was the other way around. So I'm still I still have that issue sometimes, just when I'm looking at the names and not I'm not watching them do their parts anyway. Uh, let's see here. It says Bill, played by Alex Winter, and Tad, played by Keanu Reeves. Then proceed to rock out their 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 strats, making home videos of their their drummerless, bassless, heavy metal, wild stallions until their amps literally blew up. The two the two guys <laughs> the the two guys then head to school and uh, embarrass themselves when their history teacher asks them some basic questions. Who was Joan? Who is Joan of Arc? Ted ex- Ted responds, Noah's wife. <laughs> I still think that scene is hilarious. Um, it's endearing and and in a perfect setup, how their the most excellent journey through history could turn them into triumphant saviors of the universe. But the opening wasn't so clear cut in the original script. Winter, who is now an award-winning documentarian with a highly anticipated Frank Zappa film set to premiere at South by Southwest, was uh, recently going through an old hard drive when he found a number of photos of the movie's original opening sequence. The pictures show the guys air-guitaring in front of the school bus while posing like rock stars and facing off with the jocks. Yeah, as I understand it, uh, I read someplace that the uh, the original story was that the two were supposed to be kind of dorky geeks, 
like 80s era like nerds but uh they decided to to make them not as nerdy and make them just kind of clueless rocker dudes instead i guess that made them more likable cuz you know nerds <laughs> um I remember where I, I think they saw that in a YouTube video. So it's it's quite possible that was bullshit, but because you know everything on YouTube is is legit and and and, and hard hitting fact checked videos, right? But uh, it was entertaining nonetheless. Anyways, Winter tweeted uh, of them on Wednesday, which was yesterday, saying that the sequence was an, an actual choreographed rock jam, causing the stir line about what this scene was like and with the coming release of the new sequel Bill and Ted Face the Music due in August 21st if the lost scene would ever be released though it's unlikely the sequence will ever see the light of day Winter tells Rolling Stone it was worth going back in time to revisit And then it goes on to saying here, so this was supposed to be the opening of the film. The opening of the film was very, uh, was, okay. The opening of the film and the very ending of the film both changed from what was originally scripted and, and even what, what we shot. The opening was an almost surreal rock number where Keanu and I at the bus stop waiting for school, waiting for the school bus in the morning, and we start air guitaring and rocking out, and it turned into a whole dance routine. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could have seen that. Uh, when it ends up with us kind of getting into a skirmish with the school jocks, you meet our characters that way. All all of that stuff was shot, and none of it made it into the film. So if it was shot, that means that. It, Somebody has the those videos, and possibly, maybe, we could see that scene in like a deleted scene in the the upcoming uh, re-release of the movies. I would imagine. I'm assuming they're having a re-release of the movies because the new movie's coming out. You know, and like every media company, anytime a new release is coming out, they re-release the old stuff so people can go buy it. If it's if it needs to be released again in, again anyways, um, I don't know about you, but did you notice all the movies that are starring Joaquin Phoenix on Netflix? <laughs> and largely because of of him getting all those awards for Joker. So I'm I would I would go as far as saying that if if they do re-release Excellent Adventure, it'll become part of the uh, bonus features. Actually. Do they actually do bonus features anymore on, on Blu-rays or DVDs? I haven't bought an actual DVD or a Blu-ray in a really long time. And actually, the last one I bought was a Jane Silent Bob reboot. And the only bonus features were like a, a gag reel and kind of a uh, cast interviews where Jason Mewes goes around and, and interviews people. And it wasn't even cast members that he was talking to. He was talking to, like, the crew more than the cast. I mean, there was one interview with, uh, with, um, um, oh, man. Um, Rosario Dawson. I had to think for a second there. 
Um, yeah, and the rest of it was like the various people behind the scenes, which in itself was kind of cool, but at the same time, it just it felt like it was uh, it was filler. The, nobody, it almost felt like nobody else in the movie wanted to be interviewed. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I like Kevin Smith's movies, and this one was, I wouldn't say it was his best, but it was definitely one of his movies. <laughs> you know, um, no, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is, this is what I've been, you know, waiting since 2004. Uh, all the movies, actually, I take that back. I think the last movie of his that I really enjoyed, um, front to back was Zack and Mary. And then, um, I liked Yoga Hosers only because it felt like it was kind of a, uh, it felt like it was a reboot of Clerks because it was about these two individuals working in a convenience store, um, but then there was like these Nazis and and uh, it, it it literally felt like I uh, was watching like a, a stoner fever dream of of Clerks. <laughs> but uh, anyways, back to back to what I was reading here. Um, it, it has the photos from the uh, Alex's uh, Twitter uh, post. I don't know. I would love to see these. The I would love to see this video, the scene. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be like incorporated into a movie or anything. I just deleted scenes uh, are are great in on on bonus for bonus features. I think um, some of my, some of my favorite deleted scenes uh, are actually uh, probably Austin Powers, and then um, there was another one. Uh, the, it was Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, the one that introduces uh, Fat Bastard. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a deleted scene where Fat Bastard walks into the volcano layer and he goes, "Ah, it smells like shit in here," or he probably actually he probably said shite, but either way. <laughs> and then the Rob Lowe version of number number two was like, "Yes, we have we have these." Uh, aerosol cans to help with the smell and he's like oh great now it smells like someone took a shit in a pine tree <laughs> but uh yeah no, was, I don't know I thought that was funny I, sh I thought they should have left that in a movie I guess it was it was uh too lowbrow maybe or maybe it was it just made the movie too long having that scene in the movie uh <laughs> So then there's on this article, this is on, actually, this article is actually on rollingstone.com. One of the questions asked of Alex was, uh, what was the dancing like? And he responded with, we rehearsed that dance number for weeks. <laughs> and the funny thing about it was that we shot most of the movie in Phoenix and in, in Tampa, Arizona. I don't remember who choreographed it. I wanted to say it was uh, Kenny Ortega, but I could be wrong. It was it was someone like Kenny Ortega, like like someone really big '80s music, rock video, hip hop, dance choreographer of some renown. Of course, I just completely just sorry. <laughs> I can I can read. Um, this is. 
How did how did it go? Were you a were you a dancer? <laughs> I started out dancing, but by no means at that time was I any kind of dancer. <laughs> and they looked at me like they looked at me and Kino like, oh God, what were we gonna do with what are we gonna do with you guys? So we rehearsed this number for weeks in and of all places, Stevie Nicks' house in Phoenix because for some reason Stevie Nicks had a full ballet studio in her desert ranch house with a full ballet bar and mirrors and wood floors. Literally the whole thing. <laughs> so there we were, me and Keanu and whoever this choreographer was, day after day, pounding it out, the, pounding out this routine, like Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. <laughs> we did it with a full gusto, like we just went for it, you know? We were in character, but I remember wondering how the hell the scene would, would work. And, and I guess ultimately it didn't. <laughs> Uh, and then they ask, "How long did you, sp how long did you spend filming this?" It was not a big budget movie, so a few weeks of uh, rehearsal wouldn't mean go for an hour in the morning before we're we're going to do whatever else we're going to do for the day. And I was, and I was, and and I c can't imagine we shot that thing for more than a day. We were moving at a clip. I don't know what that means, but. And then they ask, what song were you dancing to? Uh, that was a, that's, that was what I was asking myself at six o'clock this morning as I grossly looked at these things. Like, what the hell was it? My memory is so fuzzy. I don't remember who did the music. Now. And there's a bunch of photos here from uh, from Alex's Twitter account. I'll let you guys check out the link for yourself and see the photos. I won't read the rest of it. I won't bother you with my with my terrible reading skills. I, I'm I'm sure I sound like a I'm sure I sound like I'm struggling. <laughs> All right. So and then the next thing I wanted to talk about was everything coming to Amazon Prime in March. So there's a lot coming on the first. Oh my gosh! Uh, let's see. I'll just pull out the ones that I rec the names of, of things I recognize. So far, I don't recognize anything. Oh well, there's Kung Fu Panda. I recognize that. Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead Resurrection. I recognize those names. I've never seen them, but I recognize them. Uh, let's see here. Looks like a bunch of horror movies by the names of these. <laughs> Wayne's World 2, The Skull. That's a 1965 movie. Um, Wayne's World 2, but not I don't see Wayne's World in here. There's a lot. There's a lot of movies. Uh, and then it looks like we have... 
An original series called Zero 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 starts in on March sixth. Let's see here. Another new series on March eleventh. Original series for Amazon called The Test, a new era for Australia's team. Brand new series looks like. Oh, look at that. March 13th, we're going to have Jane Silent Bob Reboot available on Amazon Prime. So if you haven't seen it and you have Amazon Prime, now is your chance. Um, I always like watching movies on Netflix and Prime because I'm already paying for it and I'm going to watch things that I like. But sometimes I'll watch things that I would never normally like pick up from Redbox or some part of some t- um, place to rent videos from. Um, and I think I think that uh, Gene Silent Bob might be that movie for a lot of people. <laughs> like I said, I liked it. I did. There's some really great scenes in that movie. Um, the 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 father. The father sequences were 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 pretty good. And I'm not going to say a whole lot more than that. Actually, if you've seen the trailers, you know that uh, Jay finds out he's a dad. So, so we won't say I won't say who the who plays the daughter. But there's a few scenes between him and the daughter that are very touching and very very kind of like get you right in the heartstrings. You know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, is that it? That's that's okay. So maybe I should go through and, and list off all these movies. I thought there would be a lot more. Um, so on March first, we have Abduction from two thousand eleven. Cantinflas. I don't know if I'm even saying that correctly. C a n t i n f l a s from 2014 Chili Dogs from 2001 uh, Danny Roan the first time director from 2007 Deck the Halls from 2011 I think it's a Christmas movie uh, Destiny Turns on the Radio from 1995 Eyes of an Angel from 94 Going the Distance from 2010 Good Morning Killer from 2011 um, let's see, Henry's Crime from 2010, Hyde from 2011, Hornet's Nest from 2012, Innocent from 2011, Kung Fu Panda, like I mentioned, from 2008, Lady in a Cage from 1964, Man on a Ledge, 2012, uh, then we have the Night of the Living Dead from 2007, and then we have Night of the Living Dead Resurrection 2013. Richard the Lionheart from 2014, Ricochet from 2011, Route 9 from 98, uh, Silent Tongue from 93, and then we have Silent Witness from 2011, Spinning into, but- Spinning into Butter from 2007, Standing in the Shadows of Motown from 2002, Tenderness from 2009, The Cooler from 2009, excuse me, 2003, I was reading, reading above it, I'm getting new glasses sent, maybe that will help, <laughs> The Crazies from 2010, The Descent from 2006, Descent Part 2, 2010, 
The Skull from 1965, Wayne's World from 93, Patrick Melrose Season 1, and then, like I said before, 000 Season 1 will premiere on March 6th. March 8th is Snow Dogs from 2018. Snow Dogs from 2018? I thought Snow Dogs was a, a movie that came out in like the early 2000s or late 90s, but maybe it's a remake, I don't know. Um, then I already mentioned the test from on March 11th. That was an, an a, Amazon original series. March 13th again, like I said, was Janice and Bob reboot. Uh, Agatha Christie's The Pale Horse season one, an Amazon original series. Jesse and Nessie season one a, an Amazon original series. Pet Cemetery from 2019. Blow the Man Down from 2020, an Amazon original movie. I See You from 2019, a good old-fashioned orgy from 2011. Luther, season 5, and that's all on, and those ones are, um, uh, 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 you know what, they're just the later, later part of the month. Uh, Making the Cut, season 1, that's on March 27th, and then Santee. S-A-N-T-E-E from 1973. Alright. I don't know. That's, that seems like a lot of lot of content to come on to Amazon Prime. I don't know how how much they normally add every month or if they add stuff every month, but that's a lot of stuff. And like I said, if you haven't seen any of these movies, now is your chance if you have Amazon Prime. And starting starting on the first, which will have the most content posted... And let's see. Next thing I wanted to talk about. Let's see here as I'm waiting for my screen to refresh. It's weird. Sometimes I'll click on a tab and it'll be right there. I'll be waiting because I had it preloaded. Sometimes it wants to refresh when I when I open a, a tab up again. I don't understand that. Maybe some of you know why that happens. Or maybe it's just my shitty computer and my my internet being stupid. I don't know. But either way, this next thing I was going to talk about was Reno 911. It looks like the cast is uh, reuniting uh, for a a revival of sorts on Quibi, Q-U-I-B-I, and, uh, for Quibi and Comedy Central. Okay. God. is here. Nevada's finest calling in reinforcements for Quibi's upcoming restart of the Comedy Central favorite Reno 911. Joining the original series creators and cast members in the short form streaming service series are Nisi Nash, Wendy McClendon Covey, Cedric Yarborough, uh, Carlos Elizraki, Ian Roberts, Joe Latrugio, and uh, Mary Birdsong will be fe- uh, and Mary Birdsong will be featured with uh, Garrett Lennon and Kenny Silver penning the series. So it's basically the original cast. They're all coming back playing these parts. Gosh, I really hope Diggle doesn't have to wear those shorts again. <laughs> I think that was his character name. Um, 
Ah, oh, man. I, I've only seen a handful of episodes of this show. I always thought it was kind of stupid. But I think that was the point of the show. And I just, I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of shows like Cops. So for uh, for it to, to be kind of a spoof on those didn't really kind of, it didn't click with me. I didn't really follow the show. Like I said, I watched a few episodes. I don't think I even watched a full episode. I think I saw one or two scenes. I'm like, oh, God, man, this is so bad. I should go back and rewatch them. Um <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I I like the actors who are in it. I like all those people because they're funny in other things. Um, you know, there's Thomas Lennon is a fantastic actor. He's a really funny guy. Um, you know, uh, Wendy McClendon Covey is is really funny on on the Goldbergs, and uh, Cedric Yarbrough um, is on um, he's on a show right now. Carol's um, it's a sitcom about a about a about a uh, woman who becomes a doctor when she's like middle aged. But before he was in this show, he was on uh, Speechless, which was a great show, and it got it got canceled after I think three or four seasons. And uh, he was pretty good in that. Um, oh, he's also has a reoccurring role in the Goldbergs as well. But uh, then I think. Uh, Nisi, I can't remember. She was in another show um, recently that I, I saw an advert for. Well, I don't know how recent it was, but I saw an advert for it. Um, where she's like in like a female-led like mafia group, I guess. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't inspire me to, to follow up to find out what it was about. So. see here what does it say it says running from 2003 to 2009 and structured as a mockumentary style series that parody popular crime cam series such as cops reno 911 developed a strong following based on the combination of the cast improv skills and the storylines unscripted vibe the series popularity would lead to the silver screen with a feature film, Reno 911, um, Miami, released in 2007. Maybe I should see if I can find that and watch that. I don't know if I can find old episodes of Reno 911. I'll look, though. I really should give it another try, because I think I was, when I watched the clips that I watched, I was probably just not in the right headspace to watch something like that. Because um, I actually like stupid stuff. You know, I like stupid humor, so... All right. Okay, I think um, this is uh, I think this is where I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna pause for our station break and thank our sponsors. I'll be right back. And we're back. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about <clears throat> was. Marvel to restore deleted scenes from from Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker ad adaptation in June. So that I may have to actually get that. I, I you know there's a lot of people who hated uh, 
the newest trilogy. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but then again, I'm one of those old nerds who saw those movies back when they were, you know, a kid. I was six when the first movie came out, and I think I was eight by the eight or nine by the time that the last one came out. And uh, loved Star Wars from the time from way back, you know. And uh, really didn't. <clears throat> well, I I should say this. I've I've been saying for a long time that I, I don't like the the prequels, and I think. I think that may have been from all the people complaining about the the, the prequels, and <clears throat> I rewatched them last year, and they're not as bad as I remember, but they're not as great as everybody else says they are either. So, although uh, if I had to pick to watch the the new the new trilogy or the prequels, I will pick the new trilogy over the prequels any day. All right, so this is what it says here. Whenever I tell people that, that my third favorite Star Wars movie is Rise of Skywalker, there is likely to be a conversation, especially when when I add that Rogue One is my is my first. Wow. And the and the Last Jedi is my second. Wow, dude. Okay. Um. Okay, those are all good movies, but I don't know if I would go that far as saying they're my favorites. Um, I think for me, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I'm gonna assign a number like one being the best, and then, um, you know, I would say probably as far as my favorites go, I think it would be um, Star Wars, the first one from 1977, and. Uh, and I think probably Return of the Jedi. Uh, and then um, I think it'd be it'd have to be more than three because these movies are all great. So it would be it'd be Star Wars, Jedi. Um, and it would probably say Force Awakens. Um, and then uh, Rise of Skywalker, and then The Last Jedi. If I'm if I'm gonna do them in order of of how much I like them, so all right. So yeah, I don't know. I just I think I'm definitely gonna have to check out these these comics though when they come out in June, because I would like to know what was what was removed or not there. Let's see here. It says... Then it goes on to saying, Announced earlier today at uh, Comics Pro in Portland, Oregon, Marvel Comics will be putting the final chapter of the Star Wars, of the Skywalker saga to the page in the comics adaption of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And as ever, the five-issue limited series will also have brand new story material. Nice. Let's see here. Uh, looks like uh, it will be written by Jody Hauser. And the art will be by Will Sliney. S-L-I-N-E-Y. The cover will be by Phil Noto. And... Uh, 
It says, from behind the... It says, from behind the outer rim, an old enemy returns. Ray and the Resistance set out to, on a desperate quest to stop the threat of the Final Order. Can they succeed where the Jedi Master Luke Skywalker himself had failed? And what is Kylo Ren's real goal in, in partnering with the resurrected Palpatine? The landscape, the land, excuse me, the landmark... Skywalker Saga is adapted by Jody Hauser and Will Slinney, featuring the extended and deleted scenes. And then we have like some comic book art here, which looks really cool, by the way. Oh, this is not final art, but it still looks pretty awesome. Um, looks like it could have been like a movie poster. Right on. All right, so next thing on the th the the list of things to talk about, and as always, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I share all these stories on social media, so you can check them out for yourself. Recently, I started using um, uh, Facebook Notes to to put down the links for everything I talked about, so it's all in one post now instead of having it spread out over the individual posts. Um, hopefully that is a little bit easier to navigate and find instead of having to scroll through and find the things that I've been talking about amongst other things that I share on Facebook. The next thing was, uh, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey before and after VFX shots reveal how Gotham City was brought to life. Uh, this was on comicbookmovie.com. It says here. Uh, this is Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Has it made the biggest of impacts at the box office? It is easy enough to imagine that the DC adaption uh, became somewhat of a cult classic down the line. I don't know. I, I think part of the problem is is... is it start, they started the movie off calling it Birds of Prey and the F Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Too damn long of a title. <laughs> it's now called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, which is a lot easier to say. It doesn't require like pre-reading it to make sure you're looking at it properly. At least that's been my experience anyway. <laughs> All right. This is providing providing a unique new take on on Gotham City. There was a lot of birds of prey for comic book fans to love, and we now have some awesome before and after VFX shots, courtesy of uh, Ash at Alaski Al Alexi. I'm sorry, A L E K S E Y Polak is the last name. Alaski Polak, P-O-L-L-A-C-K. Um, these are standalone in nature, and it is definitely and, and, and uh, it definitely fits into the DECU from a visual standpoint. 
down below we see like some photos. There's a scene where where Harley Quinn had been chasing somebody on roller skates, and then she kind of falls, and it shows like a still image of her of her like just getting back up, and it shows like the in the in the finished image it shows the carnival in the background, and uh, in the photo below it shows the original where they didn't they didn't digitally manipulate anything and it's just a fence <laughs> so that's I'm really you know it's I thought it was gonna be a little bit more more and that's still pretty impressive but I, I thought it would be a little bit more uh, than just this one photo and like yeah no it's just one picture um I guess you can find more on on his uh, on his Instagram or Facebook. And there's links to that on the article here. All right, well that's cool. All right, so next next thing on the list of things to talk about, we have Harrison Ford admits he has to relearn how to use a whip for each movie. Well, I mean, considering how long it takes. For one of these movies to get made, and how frequently they actually work on these movies, I'm not entirely surprised. Because I think there was a number of years between the first and even the second movie. Never mind the second and the third movie. Oh, and of course, then of course, there's the the time between the third and the fourth movie, which a lot of people don't like. But you know what? I it's I can look past a lot of the things that that people complain about. Like I think with with the kingdom. Of the Crystal Skull, the most the 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 thing that people commented on the most was aliens, aliens. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you have a problem with it being aliens, but you had no trouble suspending disbelief for the Ark of the Covenant and glowing stones <laughs> and the Cup of Christ. Those are all okay. You can believe that. You you can't believe aliens. So I, I think if you if you're going to believe if you're gonna believe, you know, um one outrageous story, you have to be able to believe all of them. So I mean I don't think it was it was for me anyway, it wasn't necessarily that it was aliens, it was it was the execution of that story that I think was terrible. Um I like the idea, the concept of it was awesome. You know, I just thought that that end sequence in in the King, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was it was not great. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I did I did read I think it was a week or two back that Shia LaBeouf is not going to be in, in Indiana Jones Five. I suspect they're going to retcon Henry Jones the Third. Uh, or they're going to recast him as with somebody else, which is fine. You know, and Shia LaBeouf, and to his to his credit, um, wasn't the worst part of that movie. <laughs> he really wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't the part of the movie that I had the issue with. I think the thing I had issue with was just how they executed that last scene with the the, the UFO taking off. Um, but uh, and that's more of a visual effects thing more than anything else. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't dislike Mutt. You know, it, he was 
and initially I think he was a little hard to, 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 to like because he was kind of a prick. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, he was, I, I, I could see, I could see at the end there where, you know, Mutt and, and, and dad, Indiana Jones were, you know, getting along and, and of course, Indy and Marion getting married, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe they, they've they've said that he's not coming back, but I suspect that either he, either he is coming back, and they just don't want people to get freaked out because he's coming back, or they're going to have a different actor playing Mutt. So, anyways, this article goes on to saying is talking about how Harrison Ford has to relearn how to use a bullwhip. <laughs> see, years after Disney purchased Lucasfilm and restarted the Star Wars franchise. They are now shifting their focus to the globe-trotting, treasure-hunting archaeologist with a heart of gold, Indiana Jones. The fifth movie in the franchise is about to begin production with director Steven Spielberg returning to the helm of the flake while Harrison Ford comes back to play the... the he comes back to crack the iconic whip, but Ford will be will need to practice his moves before going in. <laughs> he goes searching through the catacombs as he revealed he is, he basically forgets how to use the whip before each movie. I don't suspect he's, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who he learns something for a movie and then retains it. I think after he's done with the movie, he pretty much like scrubs his brain by smoking copious amounts of weed. And then, you know, is able to forget what he's done so he can move on to the next thing. It doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that has fond memories of working on movies. I think he does he does it, he does it well and he moves on. He doesn't he doesn't dwell on it. But that's kind of my inter- and that's how I perceive Harrison Ford, you know, in these in these movies. If you haven't if you if you haven't heard his interview on uh, on uh, on the uh, then called Nerdist podcast. It's now called the the ID10T podcast with Chris Hardwick. Um, if you haven't listened to his interview with Harrison Ford, I think it was from like I want to say it was God, it was a while ago. It was it was uh, probably 2013, 2014 that the the episode was out. I'm sure if you do a Google search for the Nerdist. Um, podcast interview Harrison Ford you'll find it but um it was it was an interesting interview because Chris Hardwick is a massive Star Wars and Indiana Jones fan and uh, and you know he, you could you could you could tell he was excited to have Harrison Ford as a guest on his podcast um and you could tell that he was really trying not to be that fanboy that goes, Oh my God, you remember the time, you know, but, (laughs) and Harrison Ford also has this, his, this reputation of being kind of a, a gruff old guy who's, you know, doesn't have time for silliness. That's, that's kind of, you know, so when he, when Chris said, do you know how hard it is for me to not ask you about the Millennium Falcon and and uh, Blade Runner? He goes, "Keep trying, kid." And that was his response. "Keep trying, kid." 
I don't know, maybe not kid, maybe not have been in there, but that's kind of the 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 <laughs> the attitude that came along with that statement is keep trying, you know. And from that point on in the interview, it got really awkward. Um, Chris was like doing like this um, <laughs> nervous laugh, and like. You could tell he was, like, embarrassed, and you could tell he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I fucking just said that. Um, yeah. It's an interesting interview. You should definitely check it out. I don't remember what it was promoting. Um, it, it wasn't It wasn't promoting anything Indiana Jones or Star Wars. It was probably promoting something else entirely. But, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> check it out. Either way... So this is what it says here in this article. This is on this is on comicbook.com. Ford spoke with the the Associated Press about the his new movie The Call of the Wild when discussion turned to his return to Indiana Jones. He's quoted saying, "I have to relearn to use the whip every time because it's not something I keep up with and that's about it." The 77-year-old actor will be returning for Indiana Jones 5 nearly 40 years after the first Raiders of the Lost Ark was released in 1981. While he might not be able to keep up with the same physical demands as made him the action star of the era, fans are clamoring to see just how Indiana will return to action in the upcoming film. Well, I would imagine he has lots of Ben Gay and and body doubles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, or actually, you know, does Ben Gay still a thing? I know that was that was a thing that you you put on like sore muscles back in the day. Uh, there's probably uh, icy hot, probably is the more recent or current thing of the same type of product. All right, and then it goes on to saying here. Uh, the actor teased that the Indiana Jones 5 would dive into the character's past and relationships as he built he built in his life. Uh, there, though there is no word yet if, on if any familiar faces will return in the movie. Uh, says, well, I'm not going to share this story with you just because that doesn't seem like a good idea, <laughs> said Ford during a recent press event. But we'll see new developments in his life. His relationship will see part of his of his history re- resolved. He, he added, "It's a very good script. I'm looking forward to it." So, I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of like uh, watching the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which was a TV series back in the. I want to say late 80s, early 90s, where it was like a teenage, early 20-something Indiana Jones um, for most of it. I think the first the first part of the season, of the first season, he was a kid, like eight or nine. And then like later in the season, or maybe it was the second season, where he became a teenager. Maybe it's going to be like that. And there was actually even an episode where Harrison Ford makes an appearance briefly as an older Indiana Jones, kind of like, I remember back when I was a youngster, kind of thing, you know. 
Um, and you know, it's I when they first announced Indiana Jones Five was coming, I think it was like three or four years ago. And I said to I said to uh, my co-host at the time, um, I said to him, I was like, you know, by the time the Indiana Jones Five comes out, Harrison Ford's going to be eighty years old, and it's going to be Indiana Jones and and uh, what did I call it? Uh, so, something to do with like being in an old folks' home and needing tapioca pudding either way. Um, I don't remember the exact words I used, but I remember thinking that was hilarious at the time because he's there's, he's not going to be running around. He's not going to be he's not going to be like <laughs> climbing rocks, and he's not going to be. I, he might he might be like dr- driving a car really fast, and he might kind of uh, do that old man run. <laughs> You know, or the or it's very possible that they'll just have body doubles do a lot of the a lot of the other stuff that he can't physically do. Um, kind of like in in uh, the Force Awakens, how Peter Mayhew had the new guy um, do all the walking and 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 climbing and you know movements. While anytime you saw him in in the Force Awakens sitting down, it was Peter Mayhew. Because you know he he really wasn't able to walk without a cane, and no one wants to see, you know, Chewbacca walking with a cane. So that's why they had a body double, and the new guy ended up taking over the role of of Chewbacca when Peter Mayhew passed away. So, and then it says here, Ford previously spoke with IGN, explained that. He's happy to have an opportunity to return to the, his beloved character like Indiana Jones after uh, the other four films. I'm always delighted to come back to these characters when we have the, the opportunity to make another because people have enjoyed them. I feel obligated to make sure that our efforts are as ambitious as they were when they, when, than when we started. We have you have a sense of responsibility to your customers, and I think I've read that quote before, because that that sounds familiar to me. I don't know. I, I've I'm looking forward to it. I, I I'm pretty sure that Indiana Jones Five will be better than Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I'm 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 curious as to what they're going to call this one. You know. Uh, And talking about it, and 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 going through these things, and as I'm talking about, it, I'm I'm thinking that I need to rewatch those movies because I haven't seen them in a while. I think I actually have I have actually have all four of those movies. I should just sit down and watch them this weekend. And uh, yeah, that would be good. All right, so on to the next story here. Let's see here. This is from HeroicHollywood.com. Set photos for Robert Pattinson's The Batman reveal Halloween setting. Okay, why is there... That's a video for something else. It says, with production on The Batman currently underway, photos of the set and locations for Robert Pattinson's film have been surfacing online. Now that the latest photos have appeared online, reveal that at, at least 
portion of the, the movie The Batman will take place during Halloween. The photos in question reveal that the set being constructed for for the Batman, uh, but it... <laughs> Says the photos in question reveal that a set being constructed for the Batman, but it is Jack O' Lantern's placed. See, I don't know. I need to stop picking up stories from sites like this because maybe it's my reading ability. It also might be their grammar sucks. <laughs> it's probably a combination of the two. Um. It says, but it is jack-o'-lanterns placed near the bottom of the steps of the set that confirm the Halloween setting. Of course, fans might be immediately might immediately bring the Batman comic book series t- titled "The Long Halloween," the Long Halloween to mind, which centers around the Cape Crusader early crime-fighting days and reportedly s- serves as the inspiration for. The Batman film. Alright, so the photo is literally like a... Someone took a picture from like a... Uh, uh, up above looking down. And it shows... Like a stoop with pumpkins sitting on it. Yeah. I don't know, I mean... <laughs> That's it? Just those two pictures? Okay. Congratulations, you got pictures of pumpkins. You know, and it's not surprising that it it, it takes place in, like, Halloween, because what else would be better than than a Halloween-themed Batman movie? Because we've already had Batman movies that take place during Christmas. (laughs) Was it Christmas? You know what? Never mind. I'm thinking of uh, Batman and Robin, which just had Mr. Freeze, which means there was lots of snow. Oh no! You know what? There was one that had, had take take place or took place during Christmas, and it was uh, Batman Returns. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. It says full plot details on the Batman are currently under wraps, though the film will center around the younger Bruce Wayne. And the uh, and feature a rogues gallery of villains that include Catwoman, the Penguin, and the Riddler. Well, not bad. You know, let's 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 go with what the ones we know will work instead of trying to to use any rogues gallery v- villain that no one has seen before. Because that that wouldn't work, right? Why would you want to use characters that no one has ever used before? You know, it it would be like, you know, doing the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. You know, people already knew about those guys, right? No, I don't know. I think it's just DC is, is, is always about, like, doing what they know will work and not... Because it has worked so well for them in the past, right? Um. <laughs> oh, man. All right. The Matt Reeves film will follow Batman during his formative years as Gotham City's protector and will make use of the Dark Knight's detective skills 
to a greater extent than previous DC films. It is expected to be the first chapter in the new trilogy of Warner Brothers with Pattinson as the Batman. Let's see here. Directed by Matt Reeves from a script he co-wrote with Madison Tomlin, The Batman stars Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusader, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner James Gordon, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, Peter Skarsgård as Gil uh, Coulson, Jamie Lawson as Bella Rail, Andy Serkis as Alfred, and Colin Farrell as the Penguin. That looks like a pretty cool lineup right there, actually. All right. On to the next story. Um, if you've been following Mark Hamill on uh, on social media, specifically Twitter, uh, you'll know that he he's one to make snarky comments at the expense of the commander-in-chief the current commander in chief, um, and and I use those words uh, commander in chief loosely because I don't really believe he's much of a president. But I'm not going to get into my into my uh, feelings about the president and politics in general. Uh, but I do want to read this because this because Mark Hamill usually has some funny things t- to post on on uh, Twitter. It says Mark Hamill pokes fun at Trump by requesting pardon for the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> that in itself makes me laugh. You know, never mind what it actually says here. It says, Mark Hamill is best known for playing Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars franchise, but he's also very active on social media. When the actor isn't tweeting fun facts about Star Wars history, he's making his feelings known about the current political climate. The actor is no fan of Donald Trump and has poked fun at the president by using Lucas... using using a Luke action figure, some hilarious Photoshop, and more. And more, According to the Washington Post, Trump recently granted uh, clemency to a clutch of political allies, circumventing the usual Justice Department process. Apparently Trump defended his actions with the following statement, I'm allowed to be totally involved, he told reporters, I'm actually, I guess, the chief law enforcement officer of the country. Due to these comments, Hamill decided to hilariously request a pardon for his own, for the Star Wars holiday special. (laughs) Hey, chief law enforcement officer of the the country, pardon this, Hamill wrote. And you can check out the the tweet below, and it just basically shows the uh, like a, a uh, an advertisement for the for the holiday special that was used in in, in back in the day. <laughs> Hamill often posts funny tweets about the infamous televised event in 1978. Recently, a fan asked Hamill if if they should uh, let their child watch the Star Wars holiday special, and his reply was perfect. <laughs> While well, speaking with Entertainment Tonight at the Saturn Awards last year, Star uh, Star Wars, 
The Mandalorian showrunner John Favreau explained that he wants Disney Plus to let him tackle his own version of the special. I would love to to I would love to do someday maybe a, on Disney Plus we'll do a holiday special too. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Favreau said, "I got to pitch that to them. We'll see." If you want to see a holiday special, let Disney Plus know. Well, I think if if John Favreau is involved, it's probably not going to suck. So yes, please, John Favreau, do a new Star Wars holiday special, and uh, you know, get whoever you can get to be in it. Uh, but please, no, no weird acrobats, and or and at the very least, if you're going to have lots of Wookies on there. Have subtitles, <laughs> you know, or have them speak English or whatever language you want them to speak that's, you know, not a made-up language. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, what I would like to see is I would like, I would like to see a special edition of the holiday special where they fix it. <laughs> George Lucas should have fixed the holiday special before he even touched the original trilogy. But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> Unfortunately, Lucasfilm is notorious in their treatment of the holiday special and is it seems like a chapter they want to put behind them. Even Solo, even Solo a Star Wars story co-wrote Co-writer John Kasdan admitted he tried to sneak some callbacks in his film, but they were they were all cut out. Oh wow! <laughs> I did several versions of this. I, I like references to holiday special and, and tried and failed to get mo- even more in. Kasdan wrote on Twitter, "One of the frustrating things about making a Star Wars film is that you don't get to preview." For a full audience like other movies, I don't get to test jokes the way you'd like. The Star uh, Rise of Skywalker will be released on digital on March 17th and and on 4K Blu-ray and DVD on March 31st. That's pretty awesome. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm definitely buying the movie. At this point, I own all the. All of the original movies, the first three, I don't own the uh, prequels, although I did rent them last year and watched them. Um, And then I own the current um, trilogy as well as the side movies, Rogue One and Solo. Um, And I will own the third of the trilogy. I just don't have the first two right now. So... I you know I'm curious as to what what Luke what um, Mark said to that to that those parents about their kid watching the, the Holly specials. It, did, it didn't actually say in this article what he said, but there was a link, so I'm clicking that link now to see what Mark said. I may have actually read this already on the podcast. I don't really recall. Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> okay, that is pretty funny. So his response to the question about letting his their their child watch the holiday special. <laughs> If it was if it was if it was okay to let their kid watch it, he goes his response was only as punishment. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, about four no actually six years ago, I I got a copy of the holiday special from Rift Tracks. They did their own version while well, they did the Rift Tracks version of it? They talked through it and made made jokes. I bought a copy of that because I hadn't seen the original um, holiday special since 1978. Although, if you look really hard, you can find a tube that has it. So, um, so <laughs> that's funny. Only as punishment. Yeah, it was. It was. It was only slightly more entertaining to watch with riff tracks. I mean, you could you could tell that those guys were were like wishing they hadn't started watching this. They were they were maybe they were maybe like ten minutes into the into the special, and they go, "Wait, is this whole thing in Wookie? <laughs> Kill me now!" <laughs> and it was like the first. 20 minutes was all in, well, majority of it was in Wookiee. There was um, a character played by Art Carney who was human, who spoke English, and was able to translate some of the things that were being said as a, oh, did you say blah, blah, blah? Oh, yes, okay, blah, 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 kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, man. It's... (laughs) And I think the only people who will willingly watch it are like, Uber fans, like fanboys, will definitely watch the holiday special as an adult, even as cringy as it was. I still think my favorite response to watching that there was a guy um, who did a re- reaction video on Stardust. If you don't have Stardust, um, <laughs> look for it on in the App Store or on Google Play. Just the Stardust app. Um, it's the app icon I believe is red and white and it will talk about and in the description will be about movies and trailers and TV shows but there is a reaction video of this guy who's like I'm watching the Star Wars holiday special and I've got to the part where grandpa is watching porn <laughs> and in to to be fair to be fair um the uh in the in the holiday special he's watching a video where Irene Cara is talking very sensual to the camera she's flirting with the camera so and yes that that did come off like he's watching porn like a POV porn or something and it was just his reaction to that video made me laugh so hard it actually caused an asthma attack so that that says a lot for for me anyway. I mean if if you make me laugh hard enough to to cause me to start having trouble breathing, <laughs> it was pretty damn funny. All right. So, next on the things to talk about list, it looks like uh Denai Guerrera is his uh signs a 2-year deal with ABC Studios. Let's find out what that's about. Let's see here. All right. 
All these advertisements, my goodness, stop it with this shit. <laughs> Alright, it says, now that I've got all those clothes, I can read this now. While the Walking Dead fans might have, may not know that where Michonne is going to end up at the end of the 10th season, her real-life counterpart knows where she's setting up her creative home at. Uh, for at least two years, anyway. ABC Studios has announced that Tuesday, on Tuesday that Denai Guerrera, um, who's who's known for being Michonne as well as uh, her character, I can't remember her character name on in the in the MCU, but she's part of Black Panther and Endgame, Avengers Endgame, has signed an overall deal to, that sees her developing, writing, and producing for the studios across all of its platforms. That's cool. This is I'm thrilled to work with with Johnny and his stellar team of at ABC Studios. Their commitment to the to the feminine prospect perspective aligns with my goals as a storyteller. I'm excited to to amplify the unheard voices and bring to light narratives that will trickle uh, will tickle the universe themes. Or tickle universal themes. That's the word. That's the word phrasing. Okay, I'm really good at this reading thing, guys. I really am. <laughs> While they simultaneously break barriers that bring new faces, voices, and influences to the screen. Well. She, uh, currently serving as a showrunner for the an executive produ producer on HBO Max's adaption of uh, She Amanda. Oh God, I can't even pronounce this person's first name, let alone her whole name. Um, she's the executive producer on HBO Max's adaption of best-selling novel. Americana. Guerrera's personal and professional highlights include being the first African female to have, to to have a play on Broadway and to bring African women's perspectives to mainstream theater. Her award-winning stage play includes include in the continuum Ellipsed, The Convert and Familiar. Wow. I don't know what any of those are, but they sound impressive. <laughs> Guerrero appeared as a general uh, general Okeo in Marvel's 2018 The Black Panther. That was the character, okay. Winning the People's Choice Award, an NAACP Image Award, and sharing a SAG Award, she would go on to reprise the role in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which uh, would go on to become the top-grossing film in cinematic history. Holding a master's in, in fine arts from NYU, uh, NYU's Titch School of the Arts, Guerrera is an ambassador for uh, Bono's One campaign, a co-founder for 
uh, Amnesty Arts Alliance and founder of Love Our Girls. She was also named a Goodwill Ambassador for the UN Women in December of 2018, promoting the cause of gender equality and women's rights. Wow. I knew, you know, wow. I knew that she was a, uh, I knew she was a writer and, and she did other things and knew she was, you know, I heard an interview with her where she talked about like all these things or at least some of these things because the things I just read, I'm, I'm, well, she's also accomplished these things since that interview that I saw with her. That's really awesome. Oh my God. I like her even more now. I mean, she's awesome as Michonne in, in, uh, and her, as her character on on uh, the MC, in the MCU, um, Akoye, is that how you how you say her character name? Akoye, A K O K O Y E, Okoye. I don't know. I'm probably butchering it. I apologize. God. <laughs> oh man. Alright, I think that's pretty much everything. I've been talking for a long time. This episode's been really long. And I, pre- I apologize for how long it is. Um, I'll probably... Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to cut it down. I think I'm going to keep it all... I'm keeping everything in. I'm not going to edit anything out. Um, unless you think I should. Going forward after this episode, should I cut out useless crap or should I just leave it in there because... It's just that much more entertaining. I always thought it was that much more entertaining, but I'm not really listening to myself on the podcast unless, you know, I have listened to everything else on my podcasting app and there's nothing else to listen to and I have a drive to to do and I don't want to listen to music. That's about the only time I listen to myself talk. Most of the time I just talk and record and don't really listen back to it. Um probably not a good idea. I probably should be re-listening and editing out all the ums and the uhs and the uh kind of thing. So anyways, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hey, you want to help support the podcast? Of course you do. And the easiest way to do that, there's a couple different ways, actually. One way is you can go to the website, com and click the Rate Us Now button, and then, and then it will give you several choices as to places to where you can rate and review the podcast. One of them, which is Apple Podcast. The other one is podchaser.com. And I believe the third one, if you're on a PC, will show up as Stitcher. Now, if you are on an Apple device or on a PC, uh, that has iTunes, do all three. Give me a rating and a review. The more people that do this, the more people that will be able to see my podcast and the more the podcast will grow. So if you have to, and I've heard other people say this on their podcast, if, you, if you're if you like visiting friends and family, hey, can I see your phone for a second? And then like subscribe them to my podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's actually kind of funny. Um, subscribe your friends to my podcast, especially if you think they'll, they'll find it amusing and or entertaining. That would be great. 
Plus, doing the the rating and reviewing helps too. So please go to geosisgeek.com, click the rate us now button, and then select one of the places where you can rate and review and do that, please. It doesn't take much time. Thank you. That's all I can say about that. The other way you can help support the podcast is the host I use, anchor.fm. It has a functionality where people can click the support button on the podcast and it gives them three choices for supporting the podcast. 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, and 9.99 a month. And for every person who subscribes to that, will get a shout out from me on the podcast. And if you are one of the people that does the 9.99 a month, I'll also give you an option to be a guest on the podcast. We'll just hang out and uh, chat about whatever in the in the geek world or actually whatever you want to talk about, really. I can talk about just about anything. So, just to recap. There's a couple of different ways we can we can support the podcast. One is doing the rate us now on the website 206geek.com and then the other way is to go to support.206geek.com. Once you go to that, click the support link and then follow the the choices there. That's great. That's all you need to do to support the podcast. 